If you're tired of these promos, regular supporters get the podcast early and ad-free. Just go to donate.bogosity.tv and sign up for Patreon or Subscribestar at any level. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of May 17th, 2020. The podcast that's always a woman to me. This is your host, Shane Killian. Let's co-reference the news of the bogus. So there's been a lot of discussion around the idea of contact tracing so that we can alert people who might have been exposed to COVID-19 or indeed any other pathogen that happens to come along. Well, we have our first case of a major privacy breach with contact tracing as a woman in Auckland, New Zealand has been stalked by a subway worker she bought a sandwich from. Apparently, he got her info from the contact tracing form and has been using it to stalk her on Facebook, Instagram, Messenger, and even text. The woman, who the press is just calling Jess for privacy reasons, said that Subway required her to put her details in a contact tracing form to place her order. She was fine with that until it started being used for something other than protecting people from COVID-19. According to Jess, I felt pretty gross. He made me feel really uncomfortable. He's contacting me. I didn't ask him to do that. I don't want that. I'm lucky that I live with quite a few people because if that was me by myself at home, he knows my address, you know, I'd feel really, really scared. Even now I feel a bit creeped out and vulnerable. So what was wrong with Subway's solution? Apparently it was a physical form she had to fill out. Subway says it's switching to a digital solution that doesn't give employees access to any personal data. Of course, that still won't stop hackers from breaking in and getting our data, and it certainly won't stop governments from using it to track people as they've done over and over again with driver's license databases and other requirements that they've put in place for our protection, you know. The good thing about it is there's a way to do this while protecting user privacy. Apple and Google have jointly developed a decentralized approach using Bluetooth and a unique shared secret to give users complete control over their contact data without using any personal information. The only identifier is a random number which stays on the user's phone and isn't transmitted anywhere. The bad thing about that is, it probably won't do any good anyway. But we'll save that for the final segment in this edition. are annoying, but ad blockers prevent publishers from making money. What if you could support your favorite websites, YouTube creators, Twitch streamers, social accounts, and many more ad-free and without paying anything, and even make some money yourself? It's not a pipe dream, it's airtime. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and get the browser extension and you'll earn cryptocurrency for the sites you visit, and so will the publisher. This is not a crypto miner. You and the publisher will both get part of the reward from current miners of the BitTube cryptocurrency, with no middleman taking a cut. Even if the publisher hasn't signed up yet, his tube will be put into a dedicated wallet that he can claim upon sign-up. You can also use your tube to tip publishers and even purchase products. Airtime monetizes users and publishers with no ads or crypto miners. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and start making money now. (music) 
One of the big missteps government has made during COVID-19 is the stay-at-home orders. As numerous epidemiologists have pointed out, but the news media doesn't seem to want to hear, although social distancing is a good idea, we actually need healthy, low-risk people out and about trading COVID around and developing herd immunity so everyone else can get back to normal. Of course, every time someone suggests that, the news media blasts them, and so few people get to hear that point of view. So it's refreshing to hear Andrew Napolitano defending a Texas salon owner for refusing to shut down her business for the duration of the pandemic. Judge Knapp said, He actually asked her to admit that she was selfish. What is this, catechism class in the fourth grade? The woman, Shelley Luther, was given seven days in jail after she refused to apologize for remaining open. She told the court that sentenced her, quote, I have to disagree with you, sir, when you say that I'm selfish, because feeding my kids is not selfish. I have hairstylists that are going hungry because they would rather feed their kids. So, sir, if you think the law is more important than kids getting fed, then please go ahead with your decision. But I am not going to shut the salon. Personally, I don't see how it's being selfish to risk being exposed to a potentially fatal illness for the sake of helping your workers continue to pay the bills. She was sentenced to a week in jail and fined $7,000. The funny thing about this is, it's not a crime to be selfish, and it's not a crime to not apologize. There was also no such law requiring her to close her business in the first place. As Judge Knapp said, She was convicted of violating an order of the judge who told her to keep her business shut. A judge has no more authority to close her business than the governor does. Neither of them do. He pointed out the governor's guidelines are just that. Guidelines. They don't have the force of law. He said, quote, Shelley is an American hero for refusing to bend the knee before this two-bit political hack in a black robe. She doesn't belong in jail at all. I'm sorry she's there. She will be applauded when she comes out for refusing to kowtow to him. Fortunately, the Texas Supreme Court set her free, and Governor Greg Abbott amended his order to prevent incarceration for those who don't comply. Quote, Throwing Texans in jail who have had their businesses shut down through no fault of their own is nonsensical, and I will not allow it. Good for Shelley and good for Judge Knapp for standing up against cowboy judges who think they can just make up the law as they go along. That is exactly the opposite of how this system is supposed to work. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government sensors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home. And don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. Mm -hmm. 
Here's a report on an interesting subject from Bloomberg. Inscatech is a private firm that investigates fraud in the supply chain of the food that comes to our store shelves. Its founder, Mitchell Weinberg, says that in the 11 years since he founded the firm, China was actually the biggest area for both fraudsters and those developing the technologies to stop them, technologies that include the blockchain. China has been implicated in all sorts of food scandals, from baby formula laced with melamine to rat meat dressed up as lamb. Weinberg's company is developing molecular markers and genetic footprints to help make sure that the food on our shelves is the real deal. You also have Sean Rhine, Managing Director of China Market Research Group, who said, Consumers want to know where products are from. It's a great business opportunity. It's going to be important not just as a China play, but as a global play, because Chinese food companies are becoming part of the whole global supply chain. Walmart was the first big retailer to get on board, participating in a trial using blockchain technology to track pork. Whereas before it would take 26 hours to track the supply chain to more than 400 Walmarts in China, using the blockchain it was done in seconds. It's also being used to track chickens all the way from the coop to the store shelf. Blockchains are an excellent way to build a database of records that's publicly available and can't be broken, forced, or reordered without the whole thing falling apart. Of course, it's not a perfect system. Weinberg said, The problem is the data is only as reliable as the person providing the data. In most supply chains, there is one or more unreliable data provider. This means blockchain is likely useless for protecting against food fraud unless every piece of data is scrutinized to be accurate. In other words, the blockchain works to prevent third-party tampering and fraud, but it's still up to a human being to register his step in the supply chain, and if that human being is compromised or untrustworthy, fraud can still slip through. But it still beats the system that was previously in place, which was paper records. The blockchain records the identity of the person who put that data into the chain, and so you can tell specifically who it was that was untrustworthy. And of course, as automation increases, the information can be entered automatically and not subject to manipulation by any human worker. People keep asking what's the point of a blockchain outside of money. I keep asking them why they haven't been paying attention. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now. And now it's time to recombobulate this week's Biggest Bogani Meter. 
And this week it goes to the news media. Sharp-eyed listeners might have noticed the absence of any links. This is because of a problem that is pervasive, and as a result, this segment is more of a rant than anything else. I really wanted to give you good coverage of the revelations surrounding the Michael Flynn investigation, which not only confirmed what we've known all along, the guy was set up from the word go in an attempt to suborn perjury in the form of false testimony against Donald Trump, but also that senior Obama administration officials, including Vice President Joe Biden, were directly responsible for it. Flynn pleaded guilty to lying to investigators, but longtime listeners to this podcast know what a guilty plea really means. The guy was bullied with so many trumped-up charges that he didn't have a chance in court. We've seen it over and over again. We really need to stop treating guilty pleas as if they mean anything. So I wanted to do a good story covering all of this. The problem is I can't find any good coverage anywhere. The liberal side of the media is all about, Oh, Trump is rewriting history just like his buddies the Russians do. They use the word revisionist even though this information is actually documented. And can you believe they're still trying to cling to the Trump-Russia conspiracy garbage? Even AP's coverage was full of bias and invective. Over on the right, outlets are using this opportunity to scream about the witch hunt against Trump and Obama committed an even bigger crime than Watergate, all the while ignoring the fact that Trump very quickly threw Flynn under the bus when all of this happened. So we can get good coverage of this new development from where? I mean, it's pretty clear what happened. The Obama administration wanted to illegally spy on what Flynn was doing and provide any pretext for going after the guy. Whether that was a means of getting Trump, or whether it was simply because Flynn understood the concept of blowback and actually opposed the neocon war state, I don't know. The latter was almost certainly why Obama fired him in the first place. But this was domestic spying of an American citizen under the pretext of national security. Everything Edward Snowden warned us about. What's also interesting is not just that Biden's name is on the list, but all of the others. None of them are actual national security agents. You have ambassadors, campaign donors, and even the chief of staff, but not actual national security officials. Hopefully soon we'll get good information from the news media about this unmasking of the unmaskers, and whether or not this vindicates Flynn. But if it exists right now... I can't find it. So what does a guy have to do to get good, accurate information in this day and age? I like to get information from three different sources before including a story in this podcast, and then I generally link to the best of the three. Why can't I find three good sources on this? Why can't I find one? I mean, really, I feel like Lot when God asked him to find ten righteous men in Sodom. Can we have just a couple of good news sources in this day and age? Is that really so much to ask? So all of that makes the news media this week's biggest bogan emitter. I want to tell you about the eyeglasses I've been wearing for years. As people can see on my videos, I have a very strong prescription, which makes glasses more expensive, especially when I need computer glasses, reading glasses, prescription sunglasses, and most expensively, progressive lenses for general everyday wear. 
To save money while still getting quality glasses, I get them from Fermu. In fact, I just got a pair of progressives with high-index aspherical lenses and a nice pair of frames my wife loves for just over $100. It would have been $500 to get them through my eye doctor. Not only do they look good, the glasses are durable. I've worn many pairs for several years without problems. All orders come with a 30-day return policy, a 3-month warranty, and one-on-one customer service. Go to Firmu, that's F-I-R-M-O-O dot Bogosity dot TV, anytime you need quality glasses at a low price. Once again, that's Firmu dot Bogosity dot TV. And now let's geolocate this week's Idiot And we started off this podcast talking about the contact tracing apps that are being pushed by governments as a means of letting people know they've come into contact with someone who's tested positive for COVID-19. We looked at one example of what can happen if the privacy on these apps get away, but that's not the real issue here. The real issue is they don't work. Even though Iceland managed to get 38% of its population to download it, they found, according to Deputy Inspector Gester Palmason, quote, The technology is more or less, I wouldn't say useless, but it's the integration of the two that gives you results. I would say it has proven useful in a few cases, but it wasn't a game changer for us. Iceland was early to tracking coronavirus, and they've had the biggest success in doing so. And yet it seems that little, if any, of the credit goes to these contact tracing apps. The key, it seems, was manual tracing. And despite how some have reacted to that, Iceland's small population of 364,000 is not a factor here. Scaling up to larger populations will make the problem worse, not better. In fact, it'll get exponentially worse. It's the handshake problem writ large. Security expert Bruce Schneier actually said that these apps, quote, have absolutely no value. I'm not even talking about the privacy concerns. I mean the efficacy. Does anyone think this will do something useful? This is just something governments want to do for the hell of it. To me, it's just techies doing techie things because they don't know what else to do. He pointed out two big problems, which really are false positives and false negatives. False positives occur because Bluetooth just isn't accurate enough to gauge the distance to a potential contact. And also, quote, The app won't be aware of any extenuating circumstances, like walls or partitions. And not every contact results in transmission. The disease has some transmission rate that's less than 100%. As for false negatives, he mentions errors in location and proximity systems, transmissions from people who have the app, and the fact that sometimes the virus isn't spread by direct contact. Surface transmission is a big problem, since an infected person can touch certain surfaces, and then anyone else who touches that surface can become infected over hours. There is no way a contact tracing app can track that. Quote, Assume you take the app out grocery shopping with you and it subsequently alerts you of a contact. What should you do? It's not accurate enough for you to quarantine yourself for two weeks, and without ubiquitous, cheap, fast, and accurate testing, you can't confirm the app's diagnosis, so the alert is useless. Similarly, assume you take the app out grocery shopping and it doesn't alert you of any contact. Are you in the clear? No, you're not. You actually have no idea if you've been infected. 
The end result is an app that doesn't work. People will post their bad experiences on social media, and people will read those posts and realize that the app is not to be trusted. That loss of trust is even worse than having no app at all. It has nothing to do with privacy concerns. The idea that contact tracing can be done with an app and not human health professionals is just plain dumb. He linked to a study from the Brookings Institute which said, Though technologists at Apple, Google, and a number of academic institutions have given some thought in their planning documents to the possibility that their tools could be exploited and abused, they need to be much more candid about the limitations of the technology, including the fact that these approaches should never be used in isolation if they are used at all. Like thermometers, tires, and many other products that operate safely only within a specific range, these apps should come with a warning about their many points of failure. There is a real risk that these mobile-based apps can turn unaffected individuals into social pariahs, restricted from accessing public and private spaces or participating in social and economic activities. And a commenter linked to a Duke University study which said, Cell phone-based apps recording proximity events between individuals are unlikely to have adequate discriminating ability or adoption to achieve public health utility, while introducing serious privacy, security, and logistical concerns. Instead, timely contact tracing can be achieved through strengthened public health case investigation augmented by technology and community-level collaborations. Maybe in future, governments shouldn't think about tracking our whereabouts as the solution to every problem. So all of that makes the proponents of these contact tracing apps this week's... Idiot Well, that wraps up this What Are You Doing Here, Ice Hole? edition of the Bogosity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please keep this podcast going by subscribing and supporting in one of several different ways you can find at donate.bogosity.tv, including PayPal, cryptocurrency, or subscribing at Patreon or Subscribestar to listen early and ad-free. Also, please come to discord.bogosity.tv where you can join the discussion and post a question, statement, news article, or rant. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from Margaret Chase Smith. It is high time that we all stopped being tools and victims of totalitarian techniques. Techniques that, if continued here unchecked, will surely end what we have come to cherish as the American way of life. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial and Derivatives 4.0 International License. Ads are annoying, but ad blockers prevent publishers from making money. What if you could support your favorite websites, YouTube creators, Twitch streamers, social accounts, and many more ad-free and without paying anything, and even make some money yourself? It's not a pipe dream, it's airtime. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and get the browser extension and you'll earn cryptocurrency for the sites you visit. And so will the publisher. This is not a crypto miner. You and the publisher will both get part of the reward from current miners of the BitTube cryptocurrency, with no middleman taking a cut. Even if the publisher hasn't signed up yet, his tube will be put into a dedicated wallet that he can claim upon sign-up. You can also use your tube to tip publishers and even purchase products. 
Airtime monetizes users and publishers with no ads or crypto miners. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and start making money now.